0: Listening to the Loving BDSM Podcast, Episode 330. Kayla Lords here with the one, the only, the guy already knows caffeinated. We did a whole spiel; it was actually quite humorous. I was proud of us, but then I jacked up the rest of our recording, and we're on take two. And the magic and the moment are gone. They're lost. We can't redo it.
1: That moment has passed.
0: I know it was great. It'll be in the the vault.
1: But a new moment is coming. Wait, here here it comes. Watch for it.
0: I love you so much. You're so weird. Wait, that moment is passed. So weird. (laughs) i love you so much what the hell (laughs) and that was after you had said please don't eat the mic and scream into it there's something off on our recording settings sorry (laughs) (laughs)
2: uh
0: as a 24 7 service submissive i clearly do not uh take instructions well
1: (laughs) send you back to training
0: oh my god i hope this is not indicative of what this week's episode is going to be because I really want to like be a grown up here because we're talking about something that's really cool. Well, there's the
1: first misconception I you know, being a right? grown up.
0: I know. So let's get into it. Hi. Uh, <laughs> we are act our episode this week is um, talking about a master's thesis that our dear friend Angel, aka Professor Sex, wrote, and it was published or finished. I'm going to get that all wrong and they would be able to explain better. Uh, All the way back in January, Um, and their thesis was on doing kink, so the activities, the behavior of kink, versus being kinky, whether it's an identity or an orientation, and they looked at research that had been done, and then they put it all in this glorious paper, and we, with their permission and uh, blessing, are going to share some of that with you this week, and it's really exciting. Um, I wanna do it justice. I do not wanna jack it up, and I think that's my problem. is that I'm feeling pressure that nobody is putting on me but myself and I need to get over it. So that's what we're doing this week. Welcome to the Loving BDSM podcast. If this is your first time listening, glad to have you. Yeah, it's like this all the time. Uh, if you're back for another week, welcome back. Loving BDSM is produced every Friday for your kinky pleasure and education. Show notes are found at lovingbdsm.net. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite podcast app. You can follow the show on Twitter at Loving BDSM, while tw- Twitter still exists. On FetLife at Loving BDSM PC. On Instagram at that handle I will forever fucking hate. At loving DS and the number one, so that's at loving DS1, or on YouTube at slash loving BDSM, where you can watch us live stream the podcast every Wednesday. All links are in the show notes. Big thanks as always to our kinky patrons over on Patreon, including our newest peeps. We're able to keep doing this crazy thing we do here on the internet uh, because of our kinky patrons and we are grateful for every fucking one of you. If you'd like to join our kinky community and get access to extra content and a discord server with a group of super cool, super nice kinksters, you can do that. Just join us at patreon.com slash Kayla Lords. That's patreon.com slash Kayla Lords or use the link in the show notes. Okay, so before we get into today's episode, I have some announcements. Go ahead. As of day of recording, it is Wednesday, November 15th, 16th. 16th. What are dates? I don't know. This episode for podcast listeners goes out on Friday, November 18th. That means there is very, very, very little time and we are barreling towards this Saturday, November 19th, when Mm -hmm. we will be at the Woodshed Inn Orlando and we're so fucking excited. We're also very stressed about it. We'll bitch Mm -hmm. about that in the bonus section. It's fine. We're getting it there. We're going to make it happen. Woo! Uh <laughs> glad my hair is blue now. Cause it would like look like it was on fire otherwise um, or the white would start coming through, I don't know. By the way, podcast listeners, my hair is blue now, not purple. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that is a free to attend event uh, for uh, legal adults, y'all. Uh, from three to seven, Orlando uh, Woodshed Dungeon. I'm just saying the words out of order. <laughs> It's a a vendor fair thing where you can go, like, buy kinky shit. And apparently some non-kinky shit as well. Just kinksters who happen Mm -hmm. to you know, make and sell cool things. Uh, We will be there, we will be debuting two new products. Correct. Uh, We will be showcasing some things that have not been available on the site for a while. Uh, And hopefully we'll be able to get them back on the site for the holiday shopping season. Um, We are very excited. Even if you can get to Orlando, we'll be in Orlando or in Florida and willing to make the drive to Orlando because believe me, not everybody is. We just made the drive to Orlando on Sunday and it was Mm. stressful. I feel you. Even if you just come by our booth uh, for the kinkery, the kinkery.com and say hi to us, that would be perfectly fine. That Mm. is, I never know what to say. I am as awkward as you are. So if you, this is you and you go, oh my gosh, there they are. I don't know what to say. Guess what? I won't know what to say either. We can be awkward together. It's fine. Mm. Uh, The last time we did this was pre COVID. And I distinctly remember a couple of people coming up to us going, hey, you know, listen to the podcast, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I was really nervous or my partner was really nervous. I'm like, you know what? I'm really nervous right now too. It's fine. It's fine. We can, we can be socially awkward together. Okay. I might be in performance mode because I will probably have been like doing my spiels on, you know, buy this paddle. This is what we're doing. Y'all know know how I can get. Uh, So that is uh, this Saturday, November 19th at the Woodshed in Orlando. It's very exciting. Next announcement, we finally fucking decided when the November YouTube Friday night hangout is. That's where we do a live stream in the evening at a different time than when we do the weekly live stream. And we hang out and we chit chat and we bullshit and also we'll answer uh, questions um, from folks who are there at the live stream. That is what we do. That will be Friday, November 25th, Black Friday, day after Thanksgiving. And if you're an American who's keeping up with Thanksgiving, uh, We might even show off some of our kinkery products, especially some of the new stuff. Maybe, I'm working on it. Hopefully, you know, it's all sold and I don't have anything to show you, but (laughs) we might do that too. Uh, And for those of you sadists who like to have me tortured, yes, I will be the willing victim and all of that. So, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But November 25th, um, that link will be out in subsequent newsletters when it's time for that. But I'm just letting you know because it's been uh, a debate every week for like two weeks of when are we going to do this?
1: And we finally nailed it down and this it, morning.
0: It was not the super serious conversation I thought it was going to be. It was, no. I think maybe this. And you went, yeah, that makes sense. Okay.
1: I said, yeah, <laughs> totally. Those, those are very good points. Um, I'm fine with it.
0: Let's go with it. Okay. And the the excitement gets to continue in these announcements because mm. I am so excited for this. This week's episode is sponsored by Elegantly Owned, uh, a shop on Etsy. Tayshu is the owner. He is frequently in the live chat on the live stream. He's longtime patron, huge supporter of the channel, also makes free fucking amazing collars if you in the past what year or two have seen a picture of me video of me and gone i love your collar it is from elegantly owned <laughs> i'm freaking love this and i think i'm gonna say this right this style that i wear is the byzantine i was looking at the etsy shop today to see if i could finally remember the style i'm wearing the collar itself mine's purple and then like the the, the silver chromy color mm-hmm. um that was gifted that was sent as part of a review i've I wear it all the time. Yes, Lola, you love it too. The um, <laughs> lock I wear, it's a heart and it's got like a resin covering on it with pink, yeah. blue, purple, turquoise. It's like a tricolored colored one. Uh, that I saw, I don't know if Taishu was like promoting it on Instagram or if I was just at a shop and I saw it and I, DM to and went, I need to buy this from you. When when can I buy this from you? So, (laughs) um, and I have never, like, I'm so happy with what I have. I've never gone back to go, I wonder if there's another lock I'd like or another chain I'd like or whatever. Um, But there's collars for your neck there. I believe he still has anklets. I don't know if custom orders are currently available because it's the holiday season and it gets busy for people who like hand make shit. But I can tell you that if you shop now through December 10th, 2022, and use the code LOVINGBDSM, all one word, you save 10% off, yay! Also, if this is gonna be a ho- like a holiday gift, like a Hanukkah gift or a Christmas gift, uh, order early, <laughs> earlier is better than later. Um, nobody who's shipping anything anywhere can guarantee when the post office will get it to you, <laughs> the earlier the better, if you're trying to give mm. this as a gift. Uh, the link is in the places, please, please, please go check out Elegantly Owned uh, on Etsy. If you just go to Etsy, just search Elegantly Owned, all one word, it should pop up, but we did put the link in the places. Freaking love Tayshu's work, love Tayshu, not because he sponsors the, the episodes, by the way. <laughs> We've known him now for a long time. Oh, love my collar. If you've ever, ever, ever been like, I love Kayla's collar, then you need to go to Elegantly Owned and like look around and see what there is and all kinds of colors too. Like, yeah, I like purple, but there's like yellow and blue and green and like whatever color you like, it's probably there. Or maybe if you reach out to Tayshu, maybe he can make it for you. I don't know. You should ask him. Just saying. Uh, Elegantly Owned, use code LOVINGBDSM, all one word, 10% off through December 10th. Go shop, go shop now. And Tayshu says, yes, this is a Byzantine style. This is the kind, that's, thank you. She's he's in the live chat today,
2: <laughs>
0: appreciate that. Okay, okay, so mm. as silly, goofy and chaotic as I am being, I want to try to be my grown-up self with this week's topic. Because for, first of all, it's somebody else's work that they kindly gave us permission to use for our own episode. Um, And a link directly to read this paper is in the places. Uh, It's like open access kind of thing um, through the University of North Florida. One of the 17 year old's choices if if he doesn't get into his top choice school. So that's kind of cool. Anyway, um, so if you are a like a research person who loves to like know the fine details, likes to see who the sources are that are being cited, likes to read the actual data, because we're not going to go over the charts and, mm-hmm. and pictures that are in here. Uh, it is available to you. You can go do that. And if you are a person who goes, nobody ever researches BDSM. Oh my God, you should see the uh, bibliography on this paper. Right. And I know that BDSM what, is, like
1: seven eight pages. Along? Yeah, yeah, BDSM
0: is under researched. Like there's not enough research on it um in recent years although it's in recent years more and more researchers coming Mm -hmm. out but there's a lot more than i think people realize so i want to do this justice but i also want to have a fun conversation it's um an interesting paper to read it it actually read fairly easily for me i haven't read academic stuff in 20 years y'all and i was like okay i got this We're not gonna go over every single detail here. Um, We highlighted stuff that kind of stood out to us as interesting points. So the way Angel did this paper, um, it's a systematic scoping review of the existing literature on BDSM behavior orientation identity. So what they did was they took what they could find that made sense and fit with their hypothesis to see what's out there being said, and then compiled it all to kind of see if they could come to any potential conclusions or whatever. I am not an academic scientific person. I'm not using the right words to describe this. I know that. Uh, If you know the right words, that's great. I'm just gonna like talk like a lay (laughs) person. But if you know what I mean, then you know what I mean. Um, So I just kind of wanted to talk about some of the interesting points that were made or Bits of research that have come to light over the years, um, that are either things that don't get talked about, or things that s- the things that some of us, things that some of us kind of know, like as inherent to either our experience or how we think. Yeah, that's probably right, but is actually a little bit backed up by science and research, which is cool. Um, scientific research is not is imperfect. There will be biases, there will be things that get left out. Um, it cannot encompass everybody's lived experience. True. So it won't apply to everybody that does not make it wrong. It does not make your experience wrong. So just let's keep that in mind. So the first thing I did, I did a lot of highlighting, but I was very proud. I did not highlight the whole damn thing. You didn't,
1: you <laughs> didn't. I was shocked but, when I went through it.
0: Was I tempted a little bit, but I, you know, stopped myself. So <laughs> One of the things that Angel talks about in this paper, just in the abstract, like very beginning, we've not even gotten into it, is the themes that kind of came out to them as they were um, pulling all this information together and looking at it and all that. Uh, it says six main themes emerge from this scoping review across the three dimensions. Um, And there's several things here. And one of the things was that um, in the research, BDSM is often positioned as a type of serious leisure or adult play. Like when researchers are asking about BDSM, Mm -hmm. some of them are like, oh, this is a form of play for you. And it's like, for some of us, uh, yes, it is. It's meant to be fun. If it's not uh, fun, then why are we doing it? Um, And that's Lola howling in the background like her heart has broken. There and there's one one thing. It's the very last thing that stood out to me, and I was like, "Ooh, I'm glad that uh, research backs this up a bit." BDSM community oh. engagement oh. is important to BDSM identity development, and it goes and it's actually mentioned further in the paper. I think I highlighted it. We'll get into it, but this idea that the if you become engaged with the community, whether mm-hmm. local or online it helps you learn more about your identity as a kinkster in relation to the community
1: sure that makes absolute sense i, I think that the more you're exposed to the community um the more diversity mm-hmm. you see mm-hmm. um, the way different people practice and and it gives you more of a scope of of what the the lifestyle really is it
0: kind of lets you know what the possibilities are yeah. so you can pick and choose what you see and learn about from other people and reject what doesn't work for you and go oh uh, that intrigues me let me go learn about that or oh i could try this thing that this person does and see if it incorporates into what i do mm-hmm. the very beginning i'm going di- to give a spoiler here on the conclusion um because it was it was interesting to read and then we'll get into like the bits that were really interesting, which was the parts with what the research has shown over time. Conclusion, for those who are drawn to and or practice BDSM slash kink, that term gets used Interchangeably for this, mm-hmm. some are drawn to it as a skills-based, pleasure-based, intimacy-building, and/or leisure activity, but do not identify with it. So it's there; they do kink, right? Mm-hmm. Some fantasize about it but do not practice it often or ever, and some find it to be an important and inseparable part of their whole sexual identity, akin to their sexual orientation and gender identity. So it's on what they're what that's saying is it's on par with, you know. Your sex, sexual orientation and gender identity, those mm-hmm. parts of you that you discover about yourself, figure out about yourself, embrace about yourself, for some people, being kinky is right up there with it. I, I know that's... I feel like that's true for me. hmm Word... I don't want to put words in your mouth Would you say that's true for you, or... Yes, okay. absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I was assuming so, based yeah. on conversations after all these years. Right. The thing I always have to be reminded of, and I, this is because we live in our own kink bubble. You have When you have your own personal experience, even when you know logically that other people have different experiences, it is easy to forget that some of those experiences will be wildly different from yours.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I often forget about the people who fantasize about kink, but then never yeah. act upon it. Well, you know. And I feel and, bad for that. Sorry if that's you. And and I read that, and I never really
1: thought about it in that aspect before, mm-hmm. but it makes sense. and And it reminds me, of a a TED talk I watched a while back on non-monogamy oh yeah monogamish and yeah where you know for some people just the the fantasy of being with someone else or having a third in their you know in their bed as part of their sex life just that fantasy is more than enough for them Mm -hmm. so I could definitely see where for some people that would fall into the Same thing with BDSM.
0: Absolutely. And and I guess for me, I know this is a personal thing and it's not attributed to what anybody else would do. I know for me, I'm such an impatient person that once Mm -hmm. I decide that something is interesting interesting to me or I want to think about it a lot, Mm -hmm. most of the time for me, the next step is how do I do it? you know, how do I engage in it? How do I have this experience? Mm -hmm. I, while we talked about in previous episodes, I have some fantasies that will just stay right the hell where they are, and I'm not going to engage in them. That is satisfying to me, I think, because I know that I can engage in other things that I don't have to keep a fantasy. And, you know, it is a valid experience to use your use kinky fantasies in whatever gratifying way and never engage them and i think you can call yourself kinky that's fine Mm -hmm. it's not up to me who is really kinky and who air quote really isn't um but i think about who i am as a person i go oh that that would be dissatisfying after a while for me because i'd be like but but i don't want to just think about it i want to go do it let's Mm -hmm. go try this um i do think that there are people who do that um they take their, they take it from fantasy to try to have have it in reality. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work for them on some level, and they go, okay, we're gonna keep this fantasy. I think that's fine yeah. too. I think part of the mm-hmm. well, part of the human experience is going. Well, let me go try this thing, right? And see how it works, and, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. And
1: I'm sure that there it, there is a, a a mix. Some people who have it as fantasy, and they they kind of dip their toes in the water, and go, oh, this isn't so bad. I think I'll I'll try more. Mm-hmm. And for others, they're like. You know, and, and we've talked about this, certain things. Sometimes a fantasy is best kept a fantasy. And I agree you with know, that completely. And, and I think that that is something that is more of a personal preference. So, you know, they may dip their toes in and try it. And they're like, no, this is not for me. I'll just stay with what I've got.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You mm-hmm. know, and... Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, the I think what gets... Another thing that gets forgotten in from this part that we just looked at, uh, for those of us who live a kink life because it's part of our identity. Mm-hmm. I think and I don't tend to be this way because I just engage with a little in different ways with a little bit more of the kink community. So I see kind of a lot of different perspectives, but I think other people yeah. do because I see the discourse. Sometimes I see the arguments, the idea that you can just do the kink and it not be who you are. And that's completely valid expression. Mm. I sometimes think not all, always, because there's so many nuances here, That sometimes there's dissatisfaction with some partnerships when the conversations I have with people tend to come from submissives who for them that's their identity Mm -hmm. and their partner is willing to do the topping, they're willing to do the dominant activities, but they don't embrace dominance as a role that they want to engage in
2: Mm -hmm. as an identity
0: right and so i think there can sometimes for some people be some disappointment there because Mm -hmm. for one person it's identity based and this is who i am and i want to like express myself through this and for the other person it's i'm willing to do the thing but i don't think about it outside of doing the thing and for it to be just a behavior-based thing a thing you do is valid as well i also and i and angel says it somewhere in in their paper that there is absolutely crossover like for some people with some partners you might just do activity based and with other people it could be more of a uh, an identity because of the relationship and how you feel about mm-hmm. it or you know you can top as an activity but you might submit as an identity kind of thing there is yeah. absolute room for nuance and a spectrum of It's not just these three things you have to choose, you know. Um, But I do think that there could be some of that for some people. And that's why there will be a disconnect. you want to live that kink life? And the other person's like, eh, I'll spank your ass, but I'm not going to think about it once we, you know, once we're done with that. And I I don't know how you reconcile that. I think some people can. And I think some Mm -hmm. people can't. I think sometimes people just aren't compatible when it's like that. I,
1: I know for me, I definitely fall into the identity. Oh, yeah category of that um it was very difficult for me having a non-bdsm life Mm -hmm. and a bdsm life Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um while i still do have that to some degree uh, my identity falls well within the bdsm realm Mm -hmm. and I am more comfortable there. I am too. Um, Matter of fact, so much so to the point that um, I don't do very many non BDS things with people anymore now it's you know i'm i'm (laughs) I'm more likely to be found at munches and workshops and and things like that
0: yeah this has (laughs) nothing to do with bdsm but it's kind of illustrative of your point uh over this past weekend we went to see hamilton at the Mm -hmm. theater in orlando it was amazing and it it was a christmas present from my mom we did not pay for those tickets that would have been too expensive but while we're sitting there i lean over to you and go because we can do some of that stuff locally too we have community theater here i'm like why don't we go do some of this more often? And part part of that is because I don't want to leave the house. Like, those us be real. Part <laughs> of it is because I don't want to spend the money. Okay, okay, okay. But part of it is when we're deciding what we want to do mm-hmm. as individuals and as a couple, it is often with a kink focus. Like, yes. can, are we able to go to a dungeon? Are we mm-hmm. going to the munch this month? Right. Yeah. I mean, I might be resisting. But, you know, I know for you, yeah, you mm-hmm. will plan your... Um, extracurricular activities that aren't work home kids business whatever around what is what is about the bdsm Mm -hmm. community where can you go is it because you just feel more yourself in that i'm I'm able
1: to feel more myself i mean even even going out to have a cup of coffee i'm more apt to meet somebody Mm -hmm. who is part of the lifestyle and sit and talk Mm -hmm. with them than i am someone who is non-bdsm
0: i i mean i have forgotten how to talk to strangers over the years because i just don't do it often enough but i know that i am most comfortable when i'm in a when i'm in a place where people know on some level even if they don't know any of the details that i'm kinky Mm -hmm. because then i don't have to censor myself or try to explain myself in ways that a non kinky person would, would, would accept or understand. Right, correct. Like, I don't have to correct. cut off parts of my life or explanations right. of what I do. I might still not go into it in a kinky crowd, but I know right. that I have the freedom to just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, exist. Yeah. Um, but I do think that... I'm not saying it's a bad thing that we do it, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing if anybody else is, relates to that. I do think that sometimes... We forget things like, you know, you could go to a, pl- you could go to the theater, you yeah. know? Yeah. I didn't know I was a person who would go to the theater, but I feel like <laughs> I would like to become that person. Mm-hmm. um But no, like I don't, <laughs> there are many reasons I didn't want to be a band mom for this now 17 year old who's about to graduate. Part of it was some of those attitudes, I just don't have that kind of patience yeah. for it. But part of it was how do you talk about your home life or your work life or your relationship when for us, and this is not true of everybody mm-hmm. who's in, in into kink in some way, when inherently our relationship has a power exchange And I'm not going to walk around explaining to non-kinky people. I got to go ask my daddy for permission. That's just not a conversation I'm going to have, you know, whereas I could be in a I could be at a sewing circle of kinksters. Mm -hmm. We're not even there for, for kink. But if I said I have to go ask my daddy what he thinks, nobody would fucking blink an eye. They'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, I mean, it's there's something about kind of no longer wanting to be in spaces where I can't be my full self Mm -hmm. there that is a good thing but I think that there that can be there's downsides to it when your identity is kinky like we have people ask us all the time should I come out to my family my friends my as kinky and part of me is just old now I'm like people don't need to know your business but I do understand it if for you mm-hmm. kink is part of it's, your identity it's it's a part of how you move through the world right. it's not just a thing you do and you kind you either want people to understand the fullness of who you are or you want them to understand mm. that your relationship is not going to look like other people's relationships yeah
1: um well i mean you know even like you about explaining things it's like you know yeah i mean even myself you know one of the you 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 go into a, a group of people and, and I'm talking about non-BDSMers, you know, and, and one of the big, you know, well, what do you do for a living? <laughs> oh,
2: my God.
1: Uh, well, I make Weapons of Ass Destruction. I have a lifestyle podcast and, and YouTube channel. <laughs> I know. There's
0: a lot of, like, there's a lot of translating in your head how you can say it in a way that either won't bring right. unwanted questions or judgment you just don't have fucking time for. You know, like, there are certain spaces, and I cannot wait to get to the bonus section because I had this moment... Uh, this yeah. week, but yes, I, I, it's did. not germane to, to this paper, so I'm not gonna bring it up here. Um, and it it was difficult. Yeah. It was very difficult. Oh, yeah. And you know what, that's a choice we make. Like we, some people do mm. very well staying very anonymous and they just keep it to themselves. Right. And sure, it's their entire life. And if some of the people in their lives knew, they would be shocked, right? I, have, I don't know if it's personality. I don't know if it's age. I don't know if it's just, I'm too tired to give a fuck anymore. I just don't want to have to do that so mm-hmm. I just don't. I mean to some extent it's real easy to kind of smile and nod, you know, most people ask empty questions they didn't really want to really answer to it, and you can just smile and nod through it or you know make little comments but if I'm picking where I'm going to spend my time I'd rather be with within a community of people who just understand that like there yeah. is no there's none of that. Right. Yeah. Okay. We uh, beat that into the ground, but you know, <laughs> that's what I like about this. It, little bits and pieces um, of conclusions drawn or things found in research can lead to conversations. Yep. So we're in a section now of the paper, I've fast forwarded a couple of pages, um, about sexual behavior is as part of understanding BDSM. Now, Angel mm-hmm. says it in this paper, so the researchers, under some of them understand it. Let us just be clear. You do not have to have sex be part of your BDSM life, but because for so many people there is a level of that, then it comes out in the Mm -hmm. research. So this is what was said in this paper. Sexual behavior is also one important dimension to understanding BDSM as a part of a practitioner's sexualities. Weiss, which is a a research, uh, somebody that that Angel's referencing, referred to BDSM as a quote, sexuality organized around practices. BDSM encompasses a myriad myriad activities, many of which are intimate, but not inherently sexual. For many practitioners, however, it does have a sexual component, whether that be to evoke Mm -hmm. eroticism, ignite sexual arousal, or to fully engage with their partners in a sexually explicit way. What makes BDSM such an interesting and complicated phenomenon to study is the vast diverse subjective world of behaviors that could be considered kinky and the inability of both researchers and communities to reach consensus on which behaviors precisely do or do not qualify as kinky. Generally, the same way a behavior is sexual if the parties involved consider it to be sexual, a behavior is kinky if the parties involved both consider it to be kinky. Which that ha- people have to be people within kink communities have to be reminded of that. Mm-hmm. What I consider kinky does not have to be kinky to you, it's right. fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm. You could be like, Well, that's the most vanilla thing I've ever heard. Okay. But for me, that might be the kinkiest thing I've ever done. Right. I and I have to have a self talk with myself in that case because i don't consider anal to be kinky air quote that mm-hmm. right like it is a sexual practice it is a form of penetration it is a form of play it is a form of pleasure um but for me it's not inherently kinky because there doesn't have to be power dynamics involved in order to experience anal however one a lot of kinksters who are also into anal, will absolutely incorporate power dynamics. Oh yeah, And we did, that's how mm-hmm. I learned how to play with anal, with my first partner and with you. It was always about being guided or directed or mm-hmm. commanded or something. And it was probably the only reason I did it. But now after all this time, when I'm going through my personal like Rolodex of what do I do that's kinky, or my database I should say, of what is kinky and what is not to me, anal just doesn't make the list for me. Yeah, It's like, I mean, because I don't. I also don't need the power exchange to be there to be able to do it. But mm-hmm. I would never tell somebody else who does consider it kinky right. that they can't call it kinky, just because I don't. Mm-hmm. But but that the people you find in the one true wayers, like there's a way to be a dominant. There's a real yeah. way, a true way of a, those uh. I know, <laughs> those same types of Sorry. folks will also try to list out what exactly. Counts as king mm-hmm. or as dominance or as submission, or whatever, yeah. whatever. Well, that's just and like that just, it doesn't work that way.
1: That, that's just like you know, kind of touching on this, and we've talked about it in the past, so I won't dwell on it too long. That, um, you know, there are many who view you, you're not
0: dominant if you perform cunnilingus Oh, good lord, I know, and you uh, know? you've had way more control over me with the tip of your damn tongue, right then you could probably take with your damn words. I know I'm always like, you clearly don't know how to do oral correctly if if you don't know how to have control in that moment. That sucks for you. Um, Well, that's okay to give a blow job is also to be submissive automatically. That's what some people would say. I did not qualify that statement, sorry. Yeah, I mean, it can be a submissive act. Sure. I've certainly sucked you off as a submissive, Mm -hmm. but it can also also be
1: a dominant act.
0: And the same, yeah, whatever body part you're touching with another body part on another human being that is sexual in nature, there's no there's no automatic topping, bottoming, right. dom, submissive. Yeah. And that's one of those things that we fight against as well. But some mm-hmm. people would say there are certain sex acts that are just always, air quote this word, because this is a loaded word, vanilla. Ah, we've kinked up every kind of sex oh, yeah. we've ever had. Incorporated
1: we, spanking, incorporated hair pulling. Right, you, you can...
0: <laughs> we can be making slow, sweet love. First of all, I'm going to get bored if we're doing that for more than about five <laughs> minutes. And out of nowhere, like, I'm now writhing in pain, but you haven't changed tempo. You haven't changed, the position's mm-hmm. the same. Like, without, you know, it doesn't take much to kink something up. Right. And anything can be kinky if both people agree with it. Um, again, every, every, everybody just remember, not BDSM is not sexual for everybody, and that's okay. Correct. But in terms of this description about the the sexual aspect of it, evoke eroticism, ignite sexual arousal, or to fully engage with their partners in a sexually explicit way. I feel like you and I, for the most part, are kink activity, mostly because we're not having a lot of sex right now. Mm -hmm. The the libido's just ain't into it, nor are the bodies. Um, The evoke eroticism and ignite sexual arousal, that feels a lot more true for us in this current time. Like it might be a spanking that does not immediately turn into whatever sure. else and it's a satisfying moment it's also kind of a turn on are you having that experience or am I just the only one turned on are you turned on um, I like it, it when you're turned on it
1: depends sometimes I am sometimes I'm not
0: when you're not are there other are you getting something else out of it absolutely absolutely um you know when we're when we're
1: doing a scene mm-hmm. sometimes it's about the, the power and the control and and the ex- the exchange of energy during mm-hmm. the scene mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay and there are times for me that is way more powerful than sexual
0: mm-hmm. <clears throat> i like the fact because our sex li- i i think that i'm all over the place i'm all over my words apologies y'all our sex life slowed down <laughs> around COVID times, before COVID times, but mm-hmm. since you, you have always yeah. kind of been in charge of our sex life, mm-hmm. it slowed down for you during COVID times. The height of the pandemic just wasn't happening. And at the same time, for a while, our kink life slowed down. And I think mm-hmm. that's because you and I made the connection in our head that our kink life and our sex life were kind of one and the same. Because for the yes. most part- Yes and no. For the most part, yeah. when we got kinky, it usually ended up in sex. Mm-hmm. And the same things that were preventing us from wanting to have sex were also preventing us from really having the time or energy to want to do kink things. Yeah. But also if we kind of knew that there was gonna be no sex at the end of it, why then start the kink? And we finally had the like sit down, come to Jesus as my mama would call it. Mm-hmm. and discussed it and parsed that out and went, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, neither of us is really interested in sex right now. It's fine, this yeah. is fine. But what I'm missing, like I'm not missing your dick. Even though I like your dick, <laughs> it's a lovely dick. I'm missing a spanking, I'm missing a paddling, right. I'm miss, those are the things I'm missing. And we have that conversation and now we, to the best of our ability, <laughs> make a lot more effort to get the kink activity right. And I never feel like something's missing sexually. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the kink activity for the kink activity sake because there's an intimacy there and there's a connection and there's that moment that we're kind of reminded of who we are that will not be true yeah. for everybody because we are dom sub. This is not a top bottom situation. We're not like that. This is inherent for us. So, you know, I, I don't, I, my body responds it's an erotic thing my i am aroused after a spanking Mm -hmm. but i'm not ready to fuck you know right and i'm i'm took off some pressure you know of knowing that yeah i might be aroused it's there for me because Mm -hmm. that's how i relate to kink on on one level but i there's not the expectation of sex when one or both of us are just not into it right now and i think that that's for us in a kinky relationship because of how we deal with you know our our preferred kinks we have not gone the way that a lot of relationships do when sex dies down for any length of time for any reason health stress job money but all Mm -hmm. those reasons that can kill your desire for sex it's like i I don't. I miss it because it's a point of connection, yeah. and you know our sex life was good when we were having regular sex. Mm-hmm. But if I'm picking, I'm gonna pick the kink every time. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's gonna mean more to me.
1: Um. And I I think because of the fact that we have that connection and and that point of connection is so strong.
0: hmm Mm-hmm. I think it would be if there were bumps and uh, rocky places in our relationship. I think that it would come through there very clearly. Because when we're feeling disconnected from one another, 10 minutes with your hand or a paddle, and my ass, Mm -hmm. and we're not 100% right, but part of it is- Definitely on the right track. Right, and you know, I wonder, (laughs) because kink is part of our identity, not just a thing we do, it's not just because we did a thing together, that I think it's also that we experienced our side of that kinky activity in a way that's fulfilling for us as individuals as well. Yeah. Which again goes yeah. back to, I can absolutely see a disconnect and a, and a sticking point for, for folks in relationships where one of you, it's your kink identity and the other, it's just a thing you do because you're willing to do it, you're into it, but it's not part of your identity.
2: Mm-hmm. If your identity
0: says, I need to have this spanking because it will make me feel my dom or sub self in this moment but your partner's like but i'm not i don't i don't need this it doesn't it's not doing anything for me or i'm not in the mood for it right now you know again i think we get to to places where it's, you're gonna have some hard conversations and you're gonna have to either learn how to navigate that together mm-hmm. or decide if you're compatible enough right i am not gonna say that people the relationships where one person is a, it's kink identity and the other it's activity behavior can't come together and make it work I think you absolutely can but I can see points from our perspective where if one of us had a different viewpoint on this it would be more difficult Mm -hmm. we can't just reconnect in 10 minutes over a spanking if one of us is not feeling that as a point of connection in some way you know okay um I wanted I highlighted this because it is interesting to me. I do think I would one day after I do my own reading on it, have a longer conversation about this. So I don't Mm -hmm. have a lot to say right now, but I do think it's an interesting point that I highlighted. We fast forwarded again. Um, This is in talking about sexual orientation Mm. um, with kink, because there are some, you know, some people have said, should I come out as kinky? And that's very similar to kinky you know, somebody who might be thinking about coming out as gay, coming out as lesbian, whatever. Mm -hmm. Applying a broader definition to the concept of sexual orientation. Some have argued that orientation can, and perhaps should cover additional sexualities, BDSM slash kink among them. Researchers and community members alike do refer to some practitioners as kink oriented. I can see why this could be controversial for some people. Mm -hmm. um, Because, uh, coming out as gay, bi, lesbian, trans, those identities, like people to this day still suffer serious consequences, de- you know, threats to their life, threats right. to their health, threats to their well-being. Yes. Do they get to live in that house anymore? Um, do they still have a job? Can they still go to school? Like those are serious things. They There are hazards to coming out uh, within the LGBTQ plus umbrella that may not exist at the same level Mm -hmm. as coming out as kinky now i do think there would have been a time not in the not too distant past that similar hazards not the same not a one-to-one similar hazards might have existed for kinky people because you were a deviant the dsm the the bible of psychiatry and psychology said that you basically were a deviant needed to be medicated or put away or you know whatever Mm -hmm. so I think there was definitely a time and maybe even in some places it's been ages, but there was, I cannot remember what country they were from. There were a couple of people who would email me periodically to like ask questions or whatever. And they would say in my country, this is illegal. Mm -hmm. Like I would, I Mm -hmm. could go to jail. Like, you know, right. So I, I think that's an interesting conversation to have, especially because there are some of us who look at the way we relate in relationships and the types of relationships we need to be in in order to be happy and satisfied. That's part of our identity. I do think that conversation is fraught,
2: <laughs> especially in a modern
0: world where it appears that more people under know about kink, even if they don't understand it, and more people are kind of accepting all because they read Fifty Shades of Grey. That's not necessarily true, but I, I can see why people within the LGBTQ plus community might be like, there might be pushback there. I can definitely see it, but I think that's a really interesting conversation. And if anybody knows mm-hmm. any books, videos, anything that, that talk about this uh, in depth, like send, send those links my way. Cause that is something I would really like to talk about as long as I could stand the fact that people would really be pissed and I'd have to deal with mm-hmm. being yelled at in comments. Um, so here we go. Um, I want to, there's so much, and we've already been talking for all, I want to try and get to some, um, other things. This is, this is a really good paper, y'all. And if you're, if any of this has like been interesting to you, you should totally read it. It's an easy read. Um, okay. So there was a part that talked about understanding sexual identity, um, and we're talking about I. Id- you know, sexual identity, but using the, Mm -hmm. the, under the, talking about kink specifically. And they said that there's, it's about understanding how sexual identity develops and that there are four phases. And so then applying this to kink, the phases are awareness, exploration, deepening slash commitment to it, and then internalization slash synthesis, where you kind of take it on. Mm -hmm. These stages describe the process of one, learning or becoming aware of something different about themselves, discovering others like them and joining community, exploring alone and within the community, and eventually internalizing this understanding and integrating their identity into their larger sense of self. Uh, Yes, (laughs) that... (laughs) we all have different experiences of this, but like for some people are like, I think I was always kinky. I was always turned on by rope or whatever. And some of us are like, I didn't, this is me. I didn't know it existed. I watched a kink movie and didn't even know it was kinky. That's me. Hi y'all. And then like lightning bolt in my thirties. Oh, Mm -hmm. I'm totally into this regardless of when that part, like that's the part that will definitely be different for everybody. When did you figure it out? When did you kind of go, what? Mm -hmm. But then you start exploring it. A lot of people explore on their own, especially with kink. Yes. And alone until they're finally ready to explore with a partner, which is fraught. I mean, you tried to explore with uh, your ex-wife and Mm -hmm. got shamed for it. And so went, well, okay, guess we're not doing that. Um, Some people are single and figure out they're kinky and then they have to go through the, holy shit, how do I find a partner who's into this? We have those conversations a lot around here. Hmm. Um, And I, you know, yes, this this is about understanding how your sexual identity develops, but absolutely it completely 100% overlaps with with a kink identity. Again, I think that goes back to being able to make an argument about orientation maybe,
2: even though Mm -hmm. that is
0: a, a sticky topic. Okay. Um, okay, I thought this was interesting. I'm gonna try and get through it kind of quick. I don't know that there's a lot to say about it, okay. but it is um, under a, a section about BDSM. Angel talks about researchers who detailed five features that characterize BDSM and distinguish it from non-BDSM. Because you have to remember this paper is Angel taking all of this research and kind of synthesizing it kind of all together to say, what does it say or show? So here they are kind of quick. First, a pre-negotiated exchange of power between two or more participants. Mm -hmm. Um, The second is role play. One, I hate the idea of role play. Two, yeah. I feel like we live this life, but when I can take a like fifty thousand foot view of what we do, I could go, Okay, it is role play. I don't want to have that philosophical discussion because it's my bias is it's inherently personal. This is not mm-hmm. a fucking role. But also, do I do I stop behaving as a submissive to go be a mom, to go to the grocery store to do those things? Yeah. yeah. So let's be real, right? Um The third feature is characterized by consent. Mm -hmm. Um, BDSM behavior is often marked by exaggerated, intense sensory experiences, potentially involving pain and emotional degradation, often for the purpose of sexual arousal. However, the community makes an important distinction between actual violence or abuse and the pretend violence that BDSM practitioners engage in. Um, Fourth, BDSM often has a sexual component. However, not all BDSM encounters are inherently sexual. We've mm-hmm. had that that conversation. BDSM encounters are typically incredibly intimate, even if only during the scene requiring clear communication and the establishment of trust on the part of all players yeah. involved. Finally, BDSM is characterized by mutual definition and satisfaction all involved parties define the behavior as BDSM and or kinky in nature have agreed to the terms of the scene, feel safe in their surroundings and satisfaction of all is of all involved is a priority. Yes, I would agree with all that. The thing Mm -hmm. that can't be said here, but is definitely a community conversation is that is what it is supposed to be true. And many of us have had experiences that are not all of those things together. Mm -hmm. Um, That is that is all too common, but that is not okay. Like consent is a hallmark. Some level, enough trust that you're like, this person's not going to Jeffrey Dahmer me, right? Like mm-hmm. that level of trust minimum, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, And I think, yeah, two people can come together and have an experience that they've agreed upon what it is. And I think they can walk away with different meanings of it for themselves. But in the moment they agreed that this is the thing we're doing, and this is a BDSM scene. And whatever we do in that BDSM scene, we have now defined in this moment as BDSM. Even if outside of this scene, it wouldn't look like anything. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a really interesting summation of like, how do we know it's BDSM from a research perspective, a scientific perspective, that was really interesting. Uh, There are so many things here that I want to do that I feel like, are we, am I talking too much? Um, And I want to, I'm gonna skip a lot. That was really good, y'all, it was really, really good um because there were some interesting things found in research that i think some of us especially if this is your identity would go yeah Mm -hmm. that tracks but i think those of us whose identity is not often uh forget about um or don't think about so then are surprised when they hear it and i just want it to be said now here's one thing that um has not about that but is like how common is BDSM how not common is it there was a Norwegian study that found that 46.8 percent of their sample was about a thousand people from like the larger population of Mm -hmm. of the area they were studying um 46.8 percent of the total sample had done at least one BDSM behavior and another 22% reported having fantasized about at least one BDSM behavior in the past. Um, mm. Of those though, so the doing, the behavior, the, the kinky sex, the whatever, that is more common than the identity part, which I don't think is a shock to most of us because it says among those who had done BDSM in the past, only 229 of them, so a fraction of that total, uh, reported any sense of identification with BDSM. Mm. So... Kinky sex acts, kinky activities, kinky play may be a lot more common amongst a broad, the a wider broader. population, mm-hmm. and then it's those of us who are like, yeah, but this is my lifestyle, and this is my community, and this is what I do. We are we're the minority of that, so. I say that to say when you're a person who's like, is any, am I, you're brand new, you're a baby kingster, And you're like, am I the only one in this town who's kinky? No, no, you're not. <laughs> I don't care how rural you live, a place you live in. And I have lived in some rural places. You're not the only kingster. You might be one of like a handful that claim it as your identity and want community and are gonna, would love to go to a munch. But no, no, even a certain, maybe especially out in the middle of fucking nowhere, Got to do something mm-hmm. <laughs> when the lights go out. It's boring out there. So I like that as an example of like, in this case, that would be <laughs> almost 69% of people, if you like extrapolate that, who have at least thought about a BDSM thing. That's not, mm-hmm. that's that's a huge majority of people. Sure. Um, anyway, I wanted to find these interesting things that... Um, were said about different, ah, about different communities that we don't talk enough about. And we, you and I don't talk about it enough because we do not have enough experience to say anything meaningful or helpful, okay? We need to, to listen to the people who have this experience. So we're talking about, in this case, I think we're in the, yeah, BDSM is, or, BDSM is orientation as is fantasy. We're talking specifically about BDSM here. Uh, Yule and colleagues, those are the people who did whatever this research is, explored fantasy and masturbation habits among asexual individuals. Asexuality is commonly associated with a lack of sexual desire. Mm -hmm. However, asexual individuals were just as likely as allosexuals to fantasize about BDSM and fetish themes. Mm -hmm. Other research has demonstrated that the BDSM community has a unique draw to asexual individuals since Despite common misconceptions about BDSM Mm -hmm. being a hypersexual community, BDSM centers direct communication, non-sexual intimacy, and other types of connection that make asexual individuals feel safe and validated. This could explain the draw of BDSM fantasy to asexual individuals. Now I cannot speak on any of that from a personal level, not even going to try. If you yourself are asexual and are willing to share your own experiences and comments or wherever, please feel free. Don't think you have to though. Um, But That all, like, I don't know anything about being asexual. I'm all like, that makes total sense to me because the misconception of BDSM is we're all running around naked and going buck wild, fucking anything that moves. Mm -hmm. We're not. Um, And a lot of people, because for them, it might, BDSM might be sexual, will assume that it is sexual for everybody else. We have a lot Mm -hmm. of those conversations. Whereas but then,
1: But then again, that comes from, you know, places like Tumblr that- Perpetuates the, those images, to porn. The gray. You know, <laughs> um, even erotica.
0: mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and most most erotica is meant to be sexually, you know, arousing, mm-hmm. titillating. titillating. It's, it's yeah. meant to be sexual, but if your only experience with the fantasy side of BDSM or some level of reality is from an erotic perspective, it is very easy to forget that that's not the case. Right. And I feel like the reason I can go, well, of course that makes sense to me. I like to see Mm -hmm. that the research has been done and you know, it's like quantifiable and it can be like Mm -hmm. stated here, you know, in this kind of space. Um, I think I understand that not, I'm, I'm not asexual, but I understand more how BDSM can be absolutely not sexual, even as it's extremely intimate because of the experiences you and I have had Recently, with it, mm-hmm. we stay connected through BDSM when right. we can't connect sexually, because
1: it's, it, it's the trust mm-hmm. that goes into it. Mm-hmm. There's the mm-hmm. the layer of commu- level of communication mm-hmm. that goes mm-hmm. into it. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, there's there's a lot of different strands. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, let's see. There's so many. There's so many good things I highlighted. So many things. Um, The other, okay. Okay, okay. so there's a little bit here. There was some discussion about using BDSM as exploring your own gender identity, which makes Mm. a lot of sense to me because how many BDSM community events have we gone to where outside of that moment, that person would tell you at least Mm-hmm. i'm a man he him are my pronouns but when they interact with the community they would not necessarily tell you that yeah. right um research uh, from 2016 says research on masculinity exploration amongst lesbian bisexual transgender and queer individuals who practice bdsm Um uh, this person found that these individuals use BDSM practices to explore their own gender expressions and gender identities, explore their connections to their partners and disrupt traditional notions of masculin- masculinity, <laughs> largely without the presence of masculine bodies. I like that. I mean, mm-hmm. we've talked about this before and this is like not that level. Again, this is not um, a perspective we can speak on credibly, listen to people who who would fall under these identities and, you know, share links if you've got them. And if you were this person, feel free to share what you're comfortable sharing. Um, but we've had like, just when I've, I've said it and I was not the first person to say it. I think I saw somebody else say it somewhere out on on the internet somewhere, but we've said it a few times. Daddy's not a gender. Daddy's a vibe. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. care what your gender is. You can be a daddy. You can be a mommy for that case. Right. You know, you can be, a sir or a master. I've seen a lot of people, at least in the online world, who take those air tra- quote this traditional roles and turn it on their ear and make it fit them instead of trying to make themselves fit it. Mm-hmm. You know, it. You don't have to be masculine or a man right. to be a daddy. You don't. You know, or a master or a sir or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's about and I. This makes sense to me that queer people and people who are figuring out their identities, whether on a gender side or a sexuality side would use BDSM and then would go, yeah, we're gonna, as we've talked about many times before, make the label fit you, don't, you know, yeah. take the label you like that that feels mm-hmm. right. And you don't even have to justify why it feels right if That's you don't right. want to. Um, there was, there's so much. <laughs> okay, here's one and I, we have, <clears throat> excuse me, try not to cough into the microphone we did when we did kinky book club in 2021 Mm -hmm. and one of our final books was on kink and spirituality yes that made a mention in this as well i saw that yes uh research on bdsm as a tool for spiritual exploration is an emerging body of research Fennel. Mm -hmm. Fennell, I don't know how they say their name, found that nearly half of all American and Canadian BDSM practitioners who reported being heavily involved in BDSM also reported that they sometimes engage in BDSM for spiritual fulfillment. Experiencing kink as sacred or spiritual is less about any specific connection to a higher power and more about the nature of kink to provide opportunities for full embodiment and altered states of consciousness. That is not how I engage with it. Maybe one day when my life looks different than it does, Mm -hmm. maybe I'll I'll feel differently about it. But I know a a lot of people, especially and this is not obviously it's not universally true. Nothing is. I have found that it tends the people I tend to see that are talking about kink and spirituality tend to be long time practitioners Mm -hmm. like they've gone through phases of oh this is fun and exciting let me do kinky things with as many people as i can or as much as i can with my existing partner or partners and then they move into oh okay now i'm like maybe really into my community and helping other people understand Mm. and then it's like at some point they kind of go okay i don't i don't know if this is a conscious thing some people have said to themselves or if it's just sort of like a natural evolution it's sort of like what's the next level what can i what's left to explore that i haven't explored yet and again not all but many long-time practitioners that i've met have have on some level have like a spiritual
1: connection connection Mm -hmm.
0: inside to it that that's either a new thing that they're excited to learn or it's just a part of like right it's another facet of their And identity definitely
1: is something that is coming out more you know yes we read the book about it Um, I, I see more people that hold, uh, workshops
2: Mm -hmm.
1: on, on BDSM and and spirituality. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: yeah, it makes sense. So if you yourself are out there going, this is kind of how I do it. You're not alone. Mm -hmm. Definitely not alone. If you are a person who's like, I've, I've done as much, you know, figuring myself out. I'm kind of, I wouldn't say, I don't know if maybe some people might be bored and looking for another way um, or just somebody mm. who it's like, I want, I want to go deeper. I think yeah. for many, not all the spiritual side or just the altered consciousness side, I still do not recommend chasing subspace. Cause yeah. I think you're going to be disappointed more often than you're not. Uh, especially if you're still relatively new to who, to even figuring out your own kink identity and figuring out partners and like all of that. Like I just, I, I, it makes sense to me. So, will I be sixty at some point and wearing, you know, whatever is, is classified as hippie clothes at that point? That'll be thirty years from now. Uh, and communicating with the AI chip in my brain to find an altered <laughs> yeah. state of consciousness through through impact. Like maybe, maybe I'm down for it. Maybe, but maybe not. I might be a person whose feet are firmly on the ground, and I never can do that. Mm-hmm. I could see you. I could totally see you. Oh, yeah. there would be incense burning in the background. There'd be some candles like candles
1: burning. Yeah, up.
0: tinkly, twinkly music in the background. Mm-hmm. You'd be alming. You know, like, and so, there'd be something. There'd be chanting. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. And would I be roped in? Yes, because what he'd do, do is go, "Okay, baby girl, we're, this is what we're doing. You consented. This is what we're doing." I'd be like, "Oh my god!" And I, who have who try to be respectful but sometimes forget myself when I'm very comfortable, it would probably have be rolling her eyes going, okay, are we done yet? Like, I don't know. I don't know that I would have a transcendent experience, but maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll trip acid and then, you know, oh. except we, we don't play when, when we're not sober, I know. Mm-hmm. So uh, the last few pages, I think I ended up um, highlighting a lot and yeah, there were some more things and it's all, Oh, I have I have uh, screwed up my the order of my pages. I'll have yeah, to fix yeah. that later. Um, okay, so here's some information about uh, destigmatizing BDSM mm. that research is attempting to do. It says in laudable attempts to destigmatize and depathologize. BDSM and those who practice it research into the characteristics of BDSM practitioners frequently compares kinky folks to their vanilla non kinky counterparts in the general population to establish evidence that individuals who practice BDSM are not in some way maladjusted compared to those who do not practice. Truly understanding those who practice BDSM, however, also requires taking a more in-depth look into the community and examining the nature of practice of or the association with BDSM based on role identity. Role identity is one of the most important components of BDSM community building. One drawback of this emerging area of research is the oversimplification of most researchers approach to examining role identity. BDSM practitioners frequently emphasize the importance of understanding the many roles present in the community and the important differences between them. However, even if that is acknowledged by researchers, when data is ultimately analyzed and presented roles are frequently collapsed into two categories, dominant and submissive, or sometimes three, they might mention switch. As such, the data presented may, in many cases, not accurately reflect the nuance of the BDSM community and those who practice. I think that was an interesting point about the, while researchers are trying to mm-hmm. show that we're not all, you know, twisted freaks who are coming for your children <laughs> or some weird shit. Um, the There's an inherent flaw in the way that it's done because trying to quantify something that literally lives in, pardon the expression, a shade of gray, like 50 shades of gray and does didn't even come close to it. You know, Um, here was another good one. I wanna, I wanna, I do wanna read this and it, cause it's about dominance and submissives. And then I think what we'll do is we'll, hold on. I don't wanna Mm -hmm. lie to you. There might've been a closing thing that I was like, yes, that is really good. Um, I wanna make sure I don't lie to you. Okay, no, okay, I wanna stop, I'll, we'll stop here with this dom and sub thing because this is so closely tied to who we are. Okay. So this is the research that goes into, the little bit of research that's been done on role identities, dom, mm-hmm. sub, top, bomb, blah, blah, blah. blah. Okay. Oh, yes, yes. I see, that was interesting, mm-hmm. okay. Dominants were found to exhibit more active coping strategies, i.e. taking action and active problem solving, were more likely to have a secure attachment style greater acquired capability for um, suicide. What that means is fearlessness of death and pain tolerance. That, uh, there could be a lot of questions about what that means. And that's like Mm -hmm. a whole other section. So if you're like, what? Like go, go read the whole article or whole paper greater desire for control, extroversion, self-esteem and life satisfaction and had less difficulty than switches when explaining their relationship styles to outsiders. Dominants were described by BDSM practitioners as empathic and nurturing, attentive and responsible, exhibiting a desire to take control and an ability to do so. In most cases, researchers found that dominants were also more likely to be men, and more BDSM participants who are people of color were more likely to be dominants slash masters. Now, first of all, this already shows a problem with the research because how many of us know dominants or may be a dominant who's like, I that no, I'm I'm a hot ass mess. I'm not some of that. I'd love to be some of that. These are like some of these are like I the ideal versions. These are like dominance yeah. at their best, this mm-hmm. is, is what dominance yeah. is. But the reality of human beings is like, oh, we're flawed and it might, we might have right. some of this and not all of this, or we might be working towards some of this and not be mm-hmm. there yet. I was fascinated by, and, and again, research is based on how many people they can actually get to participate as well. True. So there, it can be skewed, but I was really fascinated about more BDSM participants who are people of color are likely to be dominance that is research apparently out of 2021 so that's really new oh, research okay. yeah um now submissives uh, now oh, let me back up before you go into dismissives how do you feel about that like definition use that word a little loosely mm. of what it means to be dominant based on what the research shows are you like uh yeah sure that's me or mm, no i, I think <laughs>
1: well i i think that's a good part of it mm-hmm. um you know it it tracks for me um as far as, you know, having um, coping skills, um, ability to make decisions and, and, you know, look over problems, um, the nurturing empathic side, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think that tracks. But it, it also kind of narrows it down.
0: Sure and this one paragraph it's not even the whole paragraph part of the paragraph is a compilation of what all kinds of different research has found when looking at what it means to be a dominant Mm -hmm. kind of put into one and going okay the research says if you put it all together this is what a dominant can be or may be
1: now that being said you know i don't care how good of a decision maker you are i know myself when at the certain points in life being faced with um life
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you
1: know there have been moments where i have come to you and said look i'm at my limit sure and i cannot do any more
0: here's what i would say and i don't think this is just a dominant thing i think this is a, ooh, a healthy human being thing
1: mm-hmm.
0: recognizing your own limit admitting to your own limit and then asking for help whoa, we are dealing with a a getting their self-actualized human being. Not a lot of people could do that in any role in Mm -hmm. or out of kink. Too many of us are like, well, sure, I'm drowning over here, but I better just do it myself or I better just act like everything's fine. And which is a huge, which will fuck up your relationship. The reason I can follow you like I do is one. Yes. You exhibit a lot of these characteristics that Mm -hmm. are not all, but a lot of them, Um. But also when you can't, you go, I I don't got it. I can't. I need help. Go back to what we were talking about. What was it just last week? You know, the fact that you can be humble and you're not so full of yourself and you haven't let what society would like you to believe about what it means to be a man. And then, you know, then as we extrapolate out into dominance. As discussed last week, you reject that and go, but let's just be fucking sensible about this. It does me no good to pretend I can do this. I better go fucking say something.
1: Right. And, you know, this is something you used to say early on because you used to see so much of it. You know, there is a huge, huge difference between being a dominant and being domineering.
0: Yes. You said that last week, actually.
1: Okay. All right absolutely you know, there, there's a huge huge difference
0: mm-hmm. so i i think that it is interesting that all of these kinds of definitions or characteristics mm-hmm. when you compile the research says this is what a dominant is i want to be very clear you don't have to this is not a checklist of, that you're no. supposed to like no. follow and go okay now i'm i am the picture perfect dominant no 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 right. no, no, no no and
1: and again that's something that whether you're dominant whether you're submissive whether you're switch it's a
0: spectrum absolutely it, it's a huge spectrum. It's, it's unique to the individual in that inhabiting right. that role there
1: there may be certain um can't think of the word certain uh qualities that overlap
0: uh-huh but right. it,
1: it's a huge spectrum
0: Um, some of these things I also think that you can learn. Um, The secure attachment style, we did ages ago an episode Mm -hmm. on attachment styles. Yes. Um, I had to learn how to have a a secure attachment style and I could do that because of our relationship. You came in with a fairly secure attachment style, but with your own like little- uh, Quirks, yeah. Right. There are things that you can learn. There are things you can work through. There are Mm -hmm. things I don't know if overcome is the right word. Maybe we just need to stick with work through. to become the best version of yourself as a dominant. And it may be some of this, but it may Mm -hmm. not be. I just found it fascinating. So let's get into the submissives. Again, this is compilation of the research that Angel found for this thesis. And again, it's not a checklist that you're supposed to go down and try to to define. Uh, Cause some of it, I kind of went, mm, mm mm-hmm, okay. (laughs) <laughs> Submissives, on the other hand, exhibited higher levels of disinhibition and were more likely to cope by seeking advice, were more likely to have an anxious, preoccupied attachment style, and reported more experience with unwanted sexual contact, and reported greater levels of emotionality. Submissives were described by BDSM practitioners as willing to give up control and exhibiting a desire to please. Submissives were more likely to be women and non people of color. That's a very short paragraph when compared to dominance. Mm. And I I don't know, I'd have to go back in and, and read to see if Angel mentioned this or just look at kind of the research if there tends to be more research on dominance or more people more easily identifying what it means to them to be a dominant. Um, you know, I... I'm more inclined on all of this to submissives were described by BDSM practitioners as willing to give up control and exhibiting a desire to please. I'm like, yeah, that one all tracks for me. Um, When I'm reading about, you know, higher levels of disinhibition and likely to cope by seeking advice and an anxious preoccupied attachment style, I'm like, yeah, what the fuck has happened to them in their life and their relationships? And here's what I would go to. If you are a person who has, I did this unknowingly, been your submissive self you didn't have the language you didn't know what you're doing this is just how you engaged in relationships Mm -hmm. and were walked the fuck all over by people who were not you didn't even know you were doing anything kinky necessarily or maybe you did and it still happened you know what yeah i got an anxious attachment style i've been treated like shit you know because what came Mm. naturally to me if if i'm inserting myself in this right because this is exactly what happened what came naturally to me got taken advantage of I got used up and burnt out and also lots of trust issues because I was looking for something that I didn't know I was looking for. I was a type of person I didn't even know existed that I could be that type. And I went through shitty relationship after shitty relationship before I one, figured myself out and two, figured out, oh, this is what a a good, safe, healthy partnership partner Mm. can be. And this is where my standards need to be. And even then you can go through all that and know all that. And God knows I've met plenty of submissives who have still, you know, found that dominant. This is just nothing but a, a walking red flag yeah. in a parade of red flags doing <laughs> twirlies with their red flag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I bet they've got some anxious attachment styles. Right. Um, and of course, if in the research, okay, which is not, Necessarily reflective of real life, more submissives are women. Then yes, they probably have had more unwanted sexual contact, which then is another thing you have to like deal with as deal part with, of like right. your experience in life. Uh, switches, you are not completely left out. This is proof there's not enough research on you though. You yeah. you got a shorter paragraph than <laughs> submissives. When studied, I think that's Angel's way of going. You're not studying them enough. When studied. Switches were found to be high on disinhibition along with submissives and high on active coping strategies like dominance. They were similar to submissives regarding reports of experience with unwanted sexual contact and found it more difficult than dominance to explain their relationships to outsiders. I bet I could see that. Mm-hmm. Switches are also, according to research, more likely to be queer. Really? I thought that was fascinating. Hmm. I mean, I don't have any like insight in no. there. I just thought that was fascinating. Um, The final thing to say about doms and subs, dominance and submissives exhibit, according to research, dominance and submissives exhibited similar levels of relationship satisfaction, switches were not included in this analysis, empathy, honesty, humility, openness to experience, agreeableness, conscientiousness, and altruism, and equally described many benefits of their participation in slash identification with BDSM fun, variety, community, pleasure from pleasing others, improved relationships, psychological release, freedom from day-to-day roles, personal growth, pleasure and arousal. Hmm. So we're on different sides of the slash, but on some levels we're having it in an idealized version, (laughs) we're having similar experiences, which I think that makes sense. Like Mm -hmm. um, freedom from day-to-day roles, psychological release, pleasure and arousal. Pleasure from pleasing others. Most people go, oh, that's just a submissive thing. But no, as much as you like getting what you want, you've said many times publicly, you like it when I get what I want, Mm -hmm. because then you get what you want. That's usually how that works. (laughs) There is so much in this paper that was so fascinating. It really is not the hardest read at all. Like I promise you, if you're like, I have never read an academic paper. I think you could get through this. It's fairly plain language. If you're like, I wanna know more about those damn studies. There's a bibliography. There's a good chance a lot of the studies are probably behind paywalls, but maybe not all of them. I don't know. I didn't go clicking (laughs) on all the links. Um, Ultimately, yes, for some people they do kink. For others, they are kinky, but right. as Angel said, like early, there's an overlap. It's like for sure. you know, and it can be partner dependent, it can be role dependent. You know, I do, mm. I would, I would really like to, if I'm feeling brave, maybe in the new year, because we've already figured out our topics for the rest of the year, I would not mind learning more about the idea of kink orientation mm. and how that can be reconciled, like as a sexual orientation, Similar, but definitely not the same as the LGBTQ plus community, and see, hmm. you know, those kinds of conversations. Right, if, if there's a book I can read, somebody point me in that direction, <laughs> um, and I will. I will go look at Angel's resources and see if there's something I can read there too. Um, that's a fraught one, though. I said that before. I'm going to say it again. Um, none of this like answers like major questions. It actually, mm. I mean, in the end, Angel was like, "Here's what I think you should research." <laughs> we need more research on this, which is kind of part of the point of what they were doing with with their thesis here. Um, But there is research out there and research can never paint the full picture because there's not a lot of room for nuance, but it is fascinating. It is kind of validating to know that, hey, we're being researched in positive ways, whereas not that long ago, it would have been for negative um, to prove we were really deviant. Um, But yeah, so it's interesting um, if you want to like really get like all the details and not just what I skimmed through, right. um, link is available. It is available. You don't have to pay to to access this. You can you can read it for free. Um, and if you're fancy like us, you can print it two sided. Get your <laughs> highlighter out. Uh, <laughs> thank you to Angel um, yeah. for allowing us to use this. Um, I'm not really sure that they're listening to the podcast a lot. If they mm-hmm. are, if they are, hi, I love you. Um, they've had a a brutal 2022 um yeah. so some some serious tragedy in their personal life and i think about angel all the time yeah i need to text them but i suck at texting people that is my downfall um <laughs> but yeah this was fascinating i'm so proud of, of professor sex uh angel <laughs> for doing it um yeah so we will do, uh, I hope it brought up some thoughts for folks, conversations you can have, things you there's, can think about there, for yourself. There's
1: a lot in there. There's a lot, there's lot in there. There's yeah. a lot in there. Yeah. And I mean, you know, yeah, the, the time that we've spent on it
0: I could, we could do double for some of the things I passed over that I'd, I'd highlighted. Absolutely. I was reading it and I'm like, "Eh," I was like, shit, I've just highlighted a whole page. And then there were like a couple pages. I went, okay, that wouldn't, it's interesting, but it wouldn't be part of a discussion. And I was like, okay, good. I'm not actually just highlighting the whole fucking thing. (laughs) But yeah, there's, it's, it's fascinating to me. It is. Um, It's, it's a little bit validating to see it studied in that way. It's imperfect. Mm -hmm. It, some of the findings are, they track with my experience anecdotally. It's kind of nice to see it, you know, in that way. Uh, So that is that for this week. And we do Mm -hmm. have a bonus section where I will tell you about my (laughs) experience as a kinky person interacting with a vanilla world. Kind of tracks with this, but not quite. That's why it's a bonus (laughs) section. thing. So, uh, yeah, that's all I got.
1: So I guess we're good.
0: (laughs) That's not for me to say. (laughs) Keep Keep it it kinky, kinky, y'all. And we'll see you next week. Yes. Can I talk to the crickets, please?
1: You can.
0: Thank you.
1: I'm not even going to give you a hard time this week.
0: Thank you, because you want to watch me twist in the wind as I tell the story, don't you? Yes. Oh God. Okay. So we're getting ready for the vendor thingy, I don't, the shopping extravaganza uh, at the Woodshed on Saturday. And over the weekend, I go, holy shit, we have not a single sign, banner, nothing that says our name. So if you just wander into where we're gonna be, we found out we're gonna be in the purple room. I'm very excited. Um, you won't know you're looking at the kinkery. We don't have shirts and we hadn't gotten that far in life. Like we're just, oh my God, we need to get a banner. And I originally tried to go online because um, you can get them printed up fairly inexpensively. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll pay for like fast shipping if I have to. Um, and one place I couldn't get like next day or, you know, three day shipping or whatever. And then one place I could and it was so expensive. I went, there's no fucking way in hell I'm paying that. So I look at JB and I go, well, there are a lot of print sign graphic companies here in town What if I do that? Now, here's what's hilarious. All I wanted was a white banner, about two foot by three foot with the Kinkery logo. And I'm thinking of the word the Kinkery because that's the biggest word on the logo. I'm not thinking about the other words on our logo, like BDSM playthings. And I'm like, look, I'll have to upload the artwork. If they refuse to do it, I will roll my eyes, but also, okay this is a long shot. This, I mean, maybe we're not meant to have a banner. So one place never got back to me. Okay. The other place where I did upload my artwork when I was requesting a quote, they, so they could have looked at it at any point prior to, they gave me a quote. Um, I started going back and forth. That was like, I emailed on Saturday, Monday morning, they're getting back to me. Um, we're emailing back and forth to iron out the details. I'm like, um, and will I be able to have this by Friday? Cause I don't know how long it takes to print this stuff. I don't work in that industry. And they're like, oh, well, you can have it by tomorrow. I ended up getting it that day. They got it printed. When did I remember that the phrase BDSM playthings is smack dab huge on our logo? As I was driving to go pick up the banner. So I'm like, oh shit, okay, we're gonna play this off. We're gonna play this off. If they give me shit, if they're mean to me, they don't fucking matter. And I get to go home to my daddy and I get to go home to, you know, our kinky toys and like, they don't matter, it'll be fine. But I am so Then I didn't tell you this part, JB, Uh oh. where they were located downtown. Yeah. I almost had a parallel park. Ah. I don't parallel park and nobody wants me to parallel park. I was able to pull into a spot and it was fine. I didn't have to like, pretend I knew how to parallel park, but I was like, oh, great. <laughs> 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 Down a one way street in downtown and the only available, and it was I had just gotten my hair done and it was starting to rain and I was <laughs> like, so I am sweating going in there. So walk in and I give them my last name and they're like a little confused at first. I think normally you give a business name and I did not do that. <laughs> <laughs> And the first person went. I called out to the other person, Went, oh, the order for insert my last name. And they go, they say my first name, which they mispronounced and I corrected it. And they go, oh, the one that made us chuckle. And I know I'm blushing at this point. I know I'm, I'm definitely sweating and I know I'm blushing. So he pulls it up and he goes, actually you ordered one, but because of our print thing, we had to print two you're getting a second one at no charge. It's, you know, two for one. And I went, oh, thank you. So we have two now. <laughs> he, he opens it up so I can see the print quality. That was when I was reminded that the colors you see on a computer screen are not necessarily the colors of a thing, um, but that was fine. I didn't care. You'll be able to see it from a distance. You'll know it's her name. He opens it up so I can see the, like the kinkery and then stops before you get to where it says BDSM play things. And I go, yeah, that, and I understood what he was doing. He didn't want to, <laughs> he rolls it up real, real quick. And I, he went, yeah, we, we got a chuckle out of that one. I said, well, <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I remembered what's it's written on that logo as I was driving over. And I wasn't sure how things would go here. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he goes, he goes, well, well we... We, I'll be honest, we don't usually print things like this. (laughs) I said, well, I'll be honest. I usually order online. He said, but as long as there's nothing graphic, uh, we'd probably be okay with it. Cause I said, you know, yeah, we'd kind of like to have a local place. There's some things I'd like to get printed that are text-based that I usually print myself. I said, "I I don't do graphic on these kinds of materials. And they were, well, you know, we're fine if we saw toys. We just don't want to have to print anything with people using those toys. (laughs) And I went, well, okay, that's fair. Then as I'm standing there sweating and still like beet red to the roots of my very blue hair, he goes, well, you know, when I worked for another company, we got a job from uh, a group in the area that did a magazine. He said it was gay men and that's fine. I don't care what people do. And every time he would say anything that was like, Kink, BDSM, gay, any of those words, he immediately went, Whatever people do is fine with me. And I'm like, Yep, me too, me too. Uh, (laughs) And it was a pretty graphic magazine. So we took the job. We just printed it at night so no customer could possibly walk in and see what we were doing. And I went, Well, I think that's fair because, you know, people freak out and, you know, it's stupid, but they would. So, I went, okay, I said, well, if I have other things to print, they there would not be nudity. Um, there would not even be people. I don't usually have that kind of stuff anyway. Uh, they were like, well, I said, you know, and I would send you the artwork. And if you told me you couldn't print it, you know, uh, okay. He's like, no, I think I think it'd be fine. He goes, we know people use that stuff and we don't care, and again, we don't care what other people do. It doesn't matter to us, it doesn't affect us. And I went, you know, that's how I look at it. It don't affect me, so I don't have to worry about it. I said, look, consent is important in the work I do and in the life I lead. So if I send you artwork, I'll let you consent to whether you're going to print it or not. It's fine. But I promise you there won't be any naked people. (laughs) (laughs) And they would have kept talking to me about the printing of the, the explicit with nudity gay magazine. If I hadn't picked up the things, been like, okay, well, I gotta go. I'm like, I gotta go. Thank you so much for all your help. I get in the car, I pull out safely. Cause you know, technically air quote parallel parked. I immediately called JB and I'm like, let me tell you what the hell just happened. It was uh, fascinating and stressful because I really did expect to walk in there and then to go, what the fuck is this? Or please don't ever like send us your orders next. No, I did not expect to talk to middle-aged couple, uh, not quite old enough to be my parents, but definitely like I thought I tracked them as older than me talking about how, as long as they don't have to look at anything graphic, they probably print it. They don't read text. There's too many things I got to print. They wouldn't read the text I would send over anyway. And that they got a chuckle out of the kinkery. (laughs) Peculiar oddities and BDSM playthings. And I think the moral of the story is I think I found an in-town printer (laughs) for some of our stuff. And we got two banners for the prize of one. That's my story. But also, that's why I just like to deal with kink companies, kink people, because <laughs> I really did not know what reception I was going to get. I really didn't.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I really. I mean, they had all the opportunity in the world because they got the artwork. And yeah, I I will think find it a little hilarious if anything I ever send them is so risque they have to print it at night though. Okay. <laughs> So, yeah, that was my adventure. It was. That was my adventure. Yeah. And that was that was all on Tuesday. So, Tuesday, I drop the 13 year off at school. I go get my hair done. That's a four-hour operation. I go, uh, I finally get lunch after being in there for so long. I go pick up a prescription. I go to the chiropractor. I go to pick up the banners. Have I am almost sweated the blue right out of my hair. I swear to you. And then I go pick up the kid from school, and I was like... Well that's been a day <laughs> and then I came home and started making more products to get us ready for this weekend. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it's wild it's it's wild <laughs> So yeah, I um, I don't know. yeah, I think I have a printer. Because there's some information cards we put with some of our products that I would like yeah. to have professionally printed. And I'm going to need to make new ones for some of the new products coming up that I wouldn't mind having professionally printed. Mm. Um, but, yeah, they, they've assured me that they wouldn't read the text anyway. I'm pretty sure if they see it coming for me, they're definitely not
1: Right, right, the text. right.
0: So, yeah, that was, I was like, I, I didn't think I'd walked out of there making friends, but I did feel like they would not clutch their pearls mm. if I walked in again. So that was interesting. What have you got for bonus action? Not a lot. You just been busting your ass, man. I working like I left yesterday morning before I left, you were already out in the shop, which that's mm-hmm. typical. I came home after dropping after picking up the kid from school. We came yep. home. That was four something by the time I got home. You were still working. Yeah. You came in because <laughs> you worked like that, but it was your night to make dinner. And normally we coordinate. If it's if it's our night to make dinner, you, you have an easier day. Like we don't usually do that to one another. But it was your night to make dinner, especially since I was gone for so long. Came in, you finished off dinner. We ate dinner. You never even took off your work boots. You went back outside. Yep. What time did you find? Because I was working when you came in. It was about quarter to eight when I came in. Mm-hmm. He's already explained to me that when we're done streaming... He will get into his work clothes and yeah. back all for this. But Saturday. this morning, I
1: was doing stuff before yep. we
0: recorded. Yeah, I, I
1: am, I am like really pushing for this. Um, I'm excited about it.
0: I am too. I'm, I, I, uh, I'm been so stressed out about stuff going on with the shop and and the site went down. We mm-hmm. didn't have a payment processor. I've complained about that all in the past. Um, that I'm, I'm a little like leery. Like I, it's an it's an exciting show to go to. It's one yeah. we loved doing. It's what inspired us to actually turn your toy making into the kinkery. We had such a good time and such good reception yes. at the woodshed show pre-COVID that we went, oh, this is a real thing. We can do this. And now it feels like, it, and it's, this is not true. This is just how we're feeling. It's like everything that will ever matter ever in life is riding on this four hour shopping extravaganza. It's
1: not. It kind of seems that way, It's
0: really not. Um, I do think that somebody named John Brownstone did add a bit of extra pressure by going, we're gonna debut our two new products at this show. Yeah. But also, so we wanna sell, we wanna sell so many, but also if we sell too many, I don't have them for our Black Friday sale. Spoiler, there'll be a Black Friday sale. So. so we might be, after Saturday, back in the same position, of busting our ass to make a mm-hmm. whole bunch of new products.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, the only good so. thing is next week for us, the, the boys are out of school.
0: Yeah, oh God, I know.
1: Okay, so that that's going to uh, uh, kick down the amount of running around. Yeah,
0: I know I still have some appointments, but not as many. Yeah, I
1: I (laughs) have one more. I have one more appointment the end of this week. And Mm -hmm.
0: well, that depends on what that person says. says They might be like, oh, I'm going to see you again soon. Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know. So.
0: Oh, no, we eat. Um. Silent Wing says quarter to eight is dinner time. No, we eat very early around yeah. here. We still eat on the schedule. We started when the boys were really little and went to bed early yeah. because we always did mm-hmm. um, dinner together as a family. It's like the one meal. We kind of try to make sure we're all there for not, not as sort of uh, consistently as we did when they were little, but mm-hmm. we picked an early time when they were young and we're still going to bed between like seven 30, eight 30 at night. Uh, and now that's when we still eat. And I think when we're much older we will definitely be those people eating dinner at four o'clock in the yeah. afternoon.
1: I mean it work. it works for us. Mm-hmm. Um you know, because uh you know, especially now with the seventeen year old, he's got so many things he does, you know, we eat at that time and then he has to run out back the door where he's got practice for this group and or sometimes we're for eating that group.
0: dinner and he walks in, I'm like, Here, right. let me make you a plate and it's right. fine.
1: And um
0: but yeah, we we do eat kind of early you compared know, to I, others. I,
1: I know for me, uh, we eat at that time. It feels like I have time to sit and relax
0: mm-hmm.
1: after dinner and unwind.
0: I thought you had a hair on your ear. It's just your hearing aid because it's not where it goes. Oh, nope, further down on your earlobe. Nope, your earlobe, my darling. <laughs> no out no
1: okay i'm not gonna worry
0: about (laughs) it no i thought you could just tuck it in but you didn't know where your earlobe was (laughs) i'll pay for that (laughs) yes
1: you will yes you will
0: look we've been so busy i still haven't gotten my birthday spanking my birthday was october 30th just saying (sighs) Hmm. was trying to help you? I didn't know I would confuse you. Anywho. Uh, as we said at the very, very top, I don't think we said it for podcast audiences. Today, the day of recording is Lola's gotcha day. Yep. What are you doing for her? Cause I know you're gonna do something.
1: Um, I, I'm not sure yet. Um, I I would make her, her her Kong, but I haven't had time to get to Rural King to get-
0: If anybody's like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> Kong is a company that brand that makes like chewy toys for dogs who can break shit in half. Yeah. And it, um, is this, it's hollow in the inside and you can put treats in it and keeps them busy for fucking ever even her. Um, and yeah, usually you get your supplies for what to fill that with, which mm. also maybe we should not do that because she did lose. She's our girl's a chonky girl. I mean, much like her parents. Yeah, I know. Um, and she did finally lose two pounds. <laughs>
1: Right? I know, I know. Maybe
0: we should go get her the pup cup that we promised her after her vet visit last week. I just, there wasn't enough time. I had to run home, fight with the cats, throw them in (laughs) carriers, traumatize everybody, get back. I couldn't stop and get her a pup (mumbles) cup. So maybe what we do is we get her a pup cup. Yeah. So. (laughs) Tayshu said that you couldn't hear me giving directions because the hearing aids. Yep, that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was. I was trying to help, Daddy. <laughs> Anything else <laughs> you would like to say for? I'm I'm good for now. Okay. Um a big thank you once again to Teishu and Elegantly mm-hmm. Owned for sponsoring this week's episode. Please go check out Elegantly Owned on Etsy, especially if you're like, I'm looking for a collar or I love Kayla's collar. That is where you go get it. Use the code LOVINGBDSM, all one word, 10% off. Next week's episode is our annual favorite toys of the year.
2: Mm-hmm. We did
0: not review nearly as many toys no, <laughs> uh, as we usually do. We're still going to do the episode because we do want to, Share with you different Black Friday specials that we know about in case you're in the market to do some shopping. um we do have a few new faves not yeah. not a lot this year it's It's been a quiet year on that front, so that is coming <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> glad somebody has um, but yeah, so that's that's coming up, and then I think we have an empty slot where we need to figure out the topic and then we go into our fun stuff for December mm. Mm-hmm. Um, before we go on our break. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, I'm glad we finally did this one. It's been, I've literally had an unread email in my inbox because I was terrified of losing it since January.
2: Because
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is going to be a topic. And then it was not until 10 months later. Yeah. 11 months later, what is time? I don't know. <laughs> so yeah we're just frantically getting ready for for the woodshed on november 19th mm-hmm. uh and then kind of at the same time but definitely turning around and getting ready for black friday um mm-hmm. we'll be talking about that next wednesday too <laughs> uh, so yeah that's that's been us, and been us and that's been y'all and we've been together that yeah. i don't know i got nothing so we're gonna go now yeah uh love you guys thanks for being here till the bitter end been
1: good hanging out with mm-hmm. y'all
0: we will see y'all next week
1: mm-hmm. bye,
0: bye.